Well, good morning, everybody, everyone that's in the room, and especially good morning to our friends who are online. Uh, Whether you're with us live this morning, maybe you'll be watching later on during the day, or you'll be with us on our podcast. We're so grateful that you're here with us on this first week of Advent. Uh, Whether you're in the room or online, you can see our friend Jessica has lit our first candle for the first Sunday of Advent, and we are beginning talking about hope, and our first song together will be all about hope. So everybody online. We're grateful to have you with us. Someday at Christmas men won't be bored Playing with balls like kids play with toys One warm December our hearts will be A world where men are free Someday at Christmas there'll be no wars When we have learned what Christmas is for When we have found what life's really worth Then there'll be peace on earth Someday at Christmas we'll see a land With no hungry children One happy morning where people will share A world where people care sounds like an amazing hope. We have a hope today. Amen? Amen. Yeah, I want to greet everyone. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. God bless you all. Hope you guys have enjoyed your weekend. And we're also very aware that holidays uh, can create a lot of uh, memories and pain for some. Know that all of us are being held in the goodness of these moments and also the difficulty of these moments uh, for some. So God bless you. Hope it's um, just been a weekend where you have found God's presence wherever uh, you have found yourself this weekend. And know this, know this, 
that there is always a hope. We start Advent this week. This is the first Sunday of Advent, and I want to talk to you for a few minutes about hope, because in Christ we have hope. Amen? No matter, no matter what the circumstances are in our life, no matter where uh, we have come from or where we are going, uh, we can count on the fact that Jesus brings hope. I have a question uh, for us today. I want to read the scripture for this Advent Sunday to get us started here in Jeremiah chapter 33. And then I just want to give you a question to kind of be with as we enter into our time uh, in the scripture this morning. So Jeremiah 33, 14 through 16 says this, See, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will do what I promised to the people of Israel and the people of Judah. In those days, and at that time, I will cause a right and a good branch of David to rise up. This is a prophetic scripture about Jesus coming to the earth. And he will do what is fair and right and good on the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will be safe. And this is the name it will be called. The Lord makes us right and good. Let's all say that together. The Lord makes us right and good. One more time. The Lord makes us right and good. So this scripture isn't just about Israel. It's not just about Judah. It's about you. It's about me. It's about every generation of people throughout history. Question for today that I have just to get us going is how full of hope are you? How full of hope are you? When you think about hope, how full of hope would you say you are on this day, in this moment? It's been, um, it's, it's the, the thing that I love about Thanksgiving, and I think uh, those that love Thanksgiving uh, is because uh, obviously the, the Thanksgiving part of it is central, just giving thanks for our life. And uh, life generally is kind of, there's two sides to this coin we call life. One, and I think why so many people like a time like Thanksgiving, is gratitude. That on one side of life, there is gratitude that we're invited to by God. To give thanks for the things that God has done in our life. To give thanks for the goodnesses in our life. And the other side of the coin is what I would say is hope. Now, the reason there's two sides to the coin is because you can't have one without having the other to live a full life. In order for us, you and I, to live our best life, we need to live a life. I think we're invited to by God over and over and over again, not just in Scripture, but just in the reality of our lives, over and over and over again to live a life of gratitude and to live in a hopeful place. We were made and created to live with both of those things. Now, gratitude has to do with our past. That's one side of the coin. We, we give thanks for the things that have already happened or are happening in the present. So gratitude is about our past. That's that side of the coin. Hope is about our future. It has to do with where we are going. We hope for things. And it also has to do with this day. It's kind of like where we're going in this day. Gratitude had to do with what we have already experienced in our lives up till now. Now, gratitude is much easier, in my opinion, than hope. Because gratitude is just so life-giving. Gratitude isn't about 
things that, that cause us fear or fret. It's just giving thanks for the goodnesses in our lives. So that's the easy part. I think the struggle comes when it comes to do with hope. Now, these two merge in a present reality that is today for us, right? So gratitude always makes us feel good. Think about it. One of the things that uh, Claire and I have loved to do, uh, not only in our own lives, but encourage, for instance, couples that are struggling in their marriages to say, try to dwell on gratitudes. There is a reason that you're together. And in the toughest times in relationships, to be thankful for the goodnesses in your life are important at all times, especially when things get more difficult. And relationships sometimes can be that way, right? But gratitude always feels good. Now, hope, not so much. It can feel really good. But many times hope is called upon in our lives. We have to call upon hope when our backs are against the wall, when relationships are breaking, When we have financial struggles, when our heart is sick over something, when we have health problems, when we have different kinds of challenges in our lives, we're invited by God to hope in what goes beyond what is temporal in this world. Lewis Smedes puts it this way, he says, hope comes harder than gratitude. Sometimes our backs, with our backs to the wall, latent with doubts, that what we hope for will ever come. Hope can feel unbearable when we passionately long for what we do not have and it's taking too long to come. We are like a farmer waiting for the rain after an August without a drop. We're invited to hope even in the midst of parched ground. Now hope is a blend of kind of three life ingredients, three general life ingredients put together our hope. The first one is kind of, I I just use two different terms, is our dreaming and our desire. The ingredient of dreaming and desire. It's that that sense we have when we hope. We One ingredient in order to hope well is we have to have dreams. It's important for us to acknowledge our desires and long for things. To dream is to dream of. What are you dreaming of? Without having dreams and desires, it's hard to hope because we place our hope in the things that we want to either embrace or move toward. Anna, in the scripture, in the story of, in the account of Jesus coming to earth in Luke chapter 2, verse 36 through 38, says this about Anna. And there was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then she was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple. But she worshipped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them at that very moment, meaning coming up to Joseph and Mary and Jesus, the baby, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. That's a longing. That's a desire. That's a, that's a deep desire. Anna sitting in the temple praying, fasting day and night, worshiping, waiting, for the promise 
Jesus would come to the earth. What are you dreaming for? What are you longing for? Zach Alou says this. He says, if your guts don't ache for what you really hope for, you really don't desire it all. When Claire and I were married, we, we've told you uh, some, a lot of our early marriage days, um, one of the things that happened, we had moved, Sarah was born, we had moved in with our friends Joe and Claudia. And Joe and Claudia, we lived with them for about three months. They were generous enough to offer a, a space in their home for us to live. And in one of the early days in their home, we sat down at their table and they had a place set up for everybody that was sitting at the table, including one more. And we just asked, you know, we asked, they were our friends. It's like, so what's the extra place setting for? Joe and Claudia were longing for a child. They had the deepest desire that at some point a child would sit at that place setting and they were unable to have a child. They had this longing, this aching, this deep desire. They had a hope that God would somehow fulfill that in their lives. It would be years later they would actually have a child. One of my favorite things to see on Facebook, there's so much that I don't like to see on Facebook. How about you? But one of the things I love to see on Facebook is Joe and Claudia living in another part of the country holding now their grandchild. It's just such a beautiful, encouraging thing. And there's such an example And we'll get to what longing means and desire means when it doesn't come to pass. It's coming because it doesn't always come to pass. That placemat could have stayed empty. That place setting could have stayed empty. But God made the provision in that situation for them to have a child. The first ingredient is to have a desire, a a longing, a dream. What are you dreaming for and longing for? The second thing that is important ingredient, and all of these things work together, is with hope comes waiting. Waiting is powerful. Waiting is so incredibly important when it comes to hope. To watch expectantly. To be like the shepherds waiting on a hillside for something perhaps to happen. It's like a Michigan fan finally seeing them beat Ohio State University. Yes. Waiting sometimes comes to an end. But never forget the importance of the emptiness of waiting. The silence. The cold winter nights. The darkness at times. It does not mean that God is not present and working. Every farmer knows that the winter time is just as important as every day in the spring. The dormancy, what appears to be dormant on the outside, is working something deep into the life of the soil. And so it is with us that God's most powerful work is done in our waiting space. Perhaps the greatest piece of music ever written, many have said, was Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. What many people don't know, unless you're probably a musician or a lover of classical music, is that Beethoven's Fifth starts with silence. Before the music comes online, it's quiet. There's a waiting. There's space. There's power that lies in the space, and Beethoven knew it. Imagine for a moment music without a space. No waiting. Imagine your life. If there was no space, no waiting, 
No hoping in the waiting. Imagine how frazzled that would be. But God does something rich in us, in the waiting, profound, powerful. Never underestimate the power and the importance of the ingredients of waiting when it comes to hoping. Whatever you are longing for and hoping for and desiring on this day, know that part of the process is your waiting. That God is doing something wonderful in you, even though it may be hard for you to understand. God is present with you in that. God does not leave you in your waiting. The scripture tells us again in Luke 2 about a guy named Simeon. There was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting. Everyone say waiting. For the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him the custom that the law required, Simeon took him in in his arms, and he praised God, and he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. Everyone say promise. promise. Do not miss that powerful word when it comes to hope about God's promise in your life. You may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Isn't it interesting, the stories of these older people, these maturing people, people like, you don't have to be old by age, just maturing and developed spiritually. Simeon and Anna, it's interesting. I noticed when I was younger, my hope was much more overloaded with hopes that I had for my own life accomplishments. But like Simeon and Anna, as time goes on and as spiritually we develop, we see that there begins to be a shift. Not that you don't still have hopes as you mature in Christ for your own personal accomplishments and the impact and influence your own life would have on the earth. But what I've noticed is the more a person matures in Christ, it begins to shift in a macro way. The hope becomes bigger than just for me just for mine. It begins to shift in something grander. Now, Peter uses the adjective living when it comes to hope. He, he calls it in 1 Peter 1.3 that we have a living hope. That is just what he's clearly saying is it's a hope that's not based on fantasy. It's a hope that is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can always hope on that. You can always hang your hat on the fact that Jesus resurrected from the dead, and that means something powerful for you and I when it comes to our hopes. That's why Paul, for instance, said, if the resurrection is not true, we're all to be pitied, because at the end of the day, there ultimately is no grand hope without the resurrection. Paul, when it comes to hope, he uses the term in Titus, we have a blessed hope. And he refers to this as being a blessed hope that is tied to a promise, a promise-keeping God that starts in the book of Genesis 
where he creates everything in creation. The capstone of creation is humanity and says it is good. It is really, really good. And it culminates with every person having the opportunity to join in Christ from start to finish. God's promises from beginning of your life to the end of your life. God's hope for you and I is is throughout life, not just for a moment, not just when we're at our deathbed, not just when we're in our early years, but it's for everything. We have a blessed hope and we have a living hope, which leads to the final ingredient. And I think just as vital as the other two is faith, the ingredient of faith. Faith is simply I place my trust in. In Hebrews, the writer says that it's the substance of things that are hoped for. In Hebrews 6, the same writer says hope is an anchor for your soul and mine when we want to drift away. So what do we anchor to? Well, Paul and Peter just told us we anchor not to circumstances, We don't anchor our hope to people. We don't fix our faith on careers or money, possessions, politics, the ways of the world or opinion. We place our hope on the anchor of our soul, and that is Jesus. We're invited to place our hope in Jesus. We place our faith and a hope not in the future, but in the one who holds the future. Mm -hmm. Stephen Ambrose, in his powerful book and recounting of the journey of Lewis and Clark to explore the West, the book entitled Undaunted Courage, recounts different days along the journey. And there's one significant day in their journey of, of Lewis and Clark. It's August 12th, 1805, among all of the days. There's so many profound days that he talks about in the book. It's on that day that Meriwether Lewis is sure that he's going to climb to the peak of what he thought was a mountain that would show him on the other side the Columbia River leading into the Pacific Ocean. Up to the, up to the peak he went. He thought he was almost home to his goal. Almost to where he, where, what he was hoping for and they were hoping for. Instead, when he gets to the peak, he finds that what we know now as the Northwest Territory. He realizes at that moment that the hardest part of his journey and their journey still lied before them. Stephen Ambrose writes this powerful sentence. He says this. He says, it's at that point that Meriwether Lewis must let go of the geography of hope for the geography of reality. Let me say it one more time. It's at that point that Meriwether Lewis must let go of the geography of hope for the geography of reality. You ever been there? You ever been to that peak? You've prayed, you've interceded, you've hoped. Maybe for a healing, a deliverance. Maybe for a relationship to be transformed. Maybe for your marriage. Maybe for a relationship with somebody else. Maybe a cause you were involved in that you were sure this was the peak. If just this one thing could happen, it would be okay 
smooth sailing to the Pacific. And all of the sudden you realize that the hardest part of the journey lies before you. You are confronted where the geography of your hope is now met with the geography of the reality of your life. It's at that point that we must decide on whom we will place our faith and trust. Will we be courageous enough? Will you be courageous enough? Would I be courageous enough to hope again? To apply my faith to a situation that reality now tells me something different, but I will continue on in my hope journey. So you cannot have hope where you do not have faith. And you must decide where you will place all of your marbles. When our son uh, Paul died, uh, Ian, we had Sarah, we had Ian, then Paul came along. Paul died of triploidy syndrome. It was a triple chromosome defect. And one of the, one of, we had, Claire and I came to the peak of, of this place in life. We had fasted. We had prayed. We had other people joining us with, with, with us in this place. And our, uh, geography of hope met the geography of reality. Our son was no longer alive. And we would see him again someday in heaven, but on earth that was not the case. And then Claire and I were confronted with this very thing. Would we once again go back to the God that we trusted and we hoped in and we relied on and possibly have another pregnancy? Could we allow this moment in our lives where the geography of hope met the geography of our reality and could we? once again put all of our marbles into the basket of Jesus is with us and has promises for our life and for our family. Where are you putting all your marbles? It was in the midst of that place that we realized that as long as we could believe in in hope, in a beautiful future, that we could always overcome the most difficult moments of our life. Always remember that. When it comes to God and God's promises for your life, as long as you can believe and hope in a beautiful future with God, you can always overcome your most difficult moments. So here's the question we walk away with into our first week of Advent. Where are you placing your hope? Nothing in this world isn't shifting except for the hope that we can place in Jesus and the promise that God has for our lives that we have a living hope in God. And we have a blessed hope Mm -hmm. in God. Amen. So, Father, even now I pray for all my friends as we enter into this week thinking about hope. So grateful that you are with us and that we have a living hope on this day. That Jesus is alive. Jesus is well. And we have a blessed hope. 
that Jesus, God, your promises are all yes and amen for our lives. And we can rest in that. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We place our hope in you. Amen. The season of Advent gives us the opportunity to practice waiting. For the light of Christ. Waiting for the light of Christ coming into the dark places of our world and our lives. Advent literally means arrival. And the themes of this season sensitize us to the coming of Christ. Not just way back in biblical times, but now in the places where we long for God's presence and need God's intervention. Advent ushers us into a special kind of active waiting that is alert and watchful and patient and yet full of anticipation. Like the doorkeeper who is assigned to keep watch while the owner is away, we are instructed to be aware and awake so that we don't miss Christ coming in our lives in the ways we normally predict. This is the kind of waiting that has us perched on the edge of our seats. So this morning, um, Samuel and Lindsay told me a little story about Eden that I thought you might want to hear as a way for us to enter into Advent because, friends, Advent means arrival, and every one of us are waiting for one thing or another to arrive. And the reason that we practice the Christian calendar is that we want to work all of the themes that we've been taught through the sacred text into our lives. And so, you know, the kids are upstairs, they're doing Christmas camp. They're camping out waiting for Jesus to come, right? And all month long, they're going to be perched on the edge of their seats thinking about Christ coming. And I think, what if we actually were like kids again and waited for Christ to come in our lives the way that children do? Yesterday, Michigan won. I don't know if anybody knew that. And, um, and so we had kids at the game, and we, we had people in our living room, and we were cheering, and, we, and I told Ford, the three-year-old, whose mom and dad were at the game, Michigan won, he said, and it's snowing, which means it's practically Christmas. So everything got into perspective right there with this reality of what the children are waiting for, what they're perched, leaning in, wanting, desiring, aching for. And this kind of Advent practice really opens us up to what only God can do. So will you guys tell us about Eden and what happened? And how old is Eden? Tell us a little bit about that. So our daughter Eden is eight, and um, she likes to have really deep conversations, like right as we're tucking her into bed, and we have like no energy for deep conversations. (laughs) So, um, So this is pretty common. And last night... I was tucking her in and, and, uh, she had tears in her eyes and, and I walked in her room and she was in bed and she was muttering under her breath and I could tell that she, I said, are are you praying? And she said, yeah. And she just started crying and she said, you know, 
People always say, Jesus is going to come back, and one day we're going to see Jesus just like that. That's exactly how she said it. And, um, and she said, but what if it's not true? What if it never happens? And what if um, there's always war and there's never peace? And what if people never learn to care for each other? And she just starts listing all of these things. Um, and I said, you know, in those moments, there aren't answers. <laughs> and I just said to her, the only thing that came to my mind was, oh, baby, you are so ready for Advent. <laughs> and I said, tomorrow we start Advent, and it seems that the Holy Spirit is really preparing your heart for that. And I said, I, all I can tell you is that every question you just said, I have to. I have those questions. And you, the Holy Spirit, is bringing you into a family, into a community of people who have been asking these really big questions for thousands of years. And the Holy Spirit is drawing you into this, and this is what we call lament. You are lamenting right now. You are lamenting the things that... The Holy Spirit is saying, yes, I want to fix these things in the world. I want to do this. And the Holy Spirit is drawing you into that. And so I just would tell you to trust the Spirit at work in you right now and be willing to wrestle and pray. Yes, wrestle with the Spirit. And she said, wrestle with the Spirit, which was a whole <laughs> other explanation I had to go, go into. <laughs> so... Um, that would be my encouragement to all of us today as we enter into these prayers together this morning that what the Holy Spirit may be drawing you into in this season is is lament and grief and it is part of our faith. It is part of our walk with the Lord. Yeah, and I think one of the really important things, if you're going to follow along in the free um, devotional that we're giving you and you follow with these scriptures, this week's scriptures are hard to read. I mean, it's all about, you know, the, you know, the sun, you know, turning dark and the moon into blood and, and, you know, all of these things as we wait for the second coming of the Lord. And you might say, why are we reading those scriptures leading up to the birth of Jesus? Well, I, I think it's fascinating the way the church has practiced all these years, all these hundreds of years to say, okay, so what is, what is falling apart in your life right now? What's turning into, what, what are you letting go of? What is over that you're supposed to let go of so that you can move into the new birth? Because there are things that go in order for the new to come, right? And the way that Christ is coming into our lives is about a lot of the passages that you'll read. In fact, you know, our teacher, Ruth, who wrote this beautiful guide, says it this way. The gospel reading for the first Sunday of Advent is an alarming one, full of violent images and ominous predictions, and it's harsh beginning such a holy season. And if it wasn't for the discipline of following Scripture and the schedule of Scripture, we might be tempted to avoid it altogether. So, friends, why do you think God wants to create an ache in our heart and a wondering and a longing for Christ? Um, because God is inviting us to be like Anna and Simeon. Sit perched, wait, pray, pray prayers. One of the things, the last thing I'll say before um, Lindsay and Samuel guide us in the prayers is, someone said, you know, Advent is the season of hope. 
But we can't have the reality of hope unless we're willing to face into the reality of what the world looks like right now. Because this is what we're hoping for, exactly what Eden said. And she said, so much more. You told me like a whole long list. I want the wars to end and for black lives to matter to people. I mean, she, guys, this little girl's an intercessor. She's saying, this is what's wrong in the world right now. How? How can we be a part of fixing it? Right? Oh, she even said, how can I, one person fix it? How can I even be a part of that? This is how, friends, we pray. And we wait in a living hope and a blessed hope. We, we live perched, walking, watching for how God is going to show up in our lives. So we invite you to stand today as we pray these prayers. And friends, don't just let them be words on the page, but let them be the ache of your heart. And add more in however God would lead you to. We're going to begin, and uh, as we do... I invite you to respond with uh, the words on the screen here. We lift our souls to you and wait for you in hope. And I, I, I want to encourage us to read that and to pray that together as a, as a kind of surrender. We lift our souls to you as a kind of way of saying, I, I can't do this without you. We can't do this without you. There is, there is the day that God brings and only God can bring it. We don't bring it. But we, we participate with God in prayer and in the work that we do in the world, and we surrender to God. All of that, right? All of that for what God will do. So I invite you, we invite you to pray that prayer of surrender and wait for God in hope. Lord Jesus Christ, renew and energize your church here and throughout the world that we may be a resurrection people, manifesting your steadfast love in our world. And together we pray. We, we lift our souls to you and, and wait, wait for, for you in hope. God of hope, direct and rule the hearts of the leaders and shapers of our society. Raise up prophets of justice and peace and empower your people for the holy call of repairing the world. May we entrust all our labors to your work of providence. Say, we, we lift, lift our, souls our souls to you and wait for you in hope. God of hope, you unlock every door and make a way where there is no way. Set free all who are afflicted or distressed in body, mind, or spirit. Resurrect their hope. Grant them peace and refreshment and restore their joy. We lift our souls to you and wait for you in hope. God of hope, hold us in your mercy. Heal the sick, mend the broken, protect the vulnerable, shelter the refugee, strengthen the weary, rescue the lost, and give courage to all who struggle. We lift our souls to you and wait for you in hope. God of hope, when we wander far away, lead us back to you. When we refuse your embrace, do not give up on us. When we forget you, do not forget us. We, we lift, lift our souls to you and wait for you in hope. God of hope, the answer to our every longing. You are the strong force that draws us into the mystery of your love. Forgive us those things which distract and delay us. And lead us ever deeper into the way, the truth, 
and the life. We lift our souls to you and wait for you in hope. God of hope, we pray for every person we carry in our hearts. together we lift up those faces and those names and we pray we lift, we lift our, our souls to you and, and wait, wait for, for you in hope our god who is hope god who has come who does come and god who is coming make us an advent people ready and alert to welcome and receive you in the stranger's face the loving act the moment of grace the presence of healing, the birth of possibility, the gift of wonder. And let every heart prepare you room. And let's read that again together, everyone. Our God God who is is hope, God God who who has come, come. God God who does does come, God God who is yet to come, make us an Advent people ready and alert to welcome and receive you in the stranger's face the loving act, the moment of grace, the presence of healing, the birth of possibility, the gift of wonder. Let every heart prepare you room. We lift up our souls to you and wait for you in hope. Amen. And if you could begin to open up the communion elements that you have or if you need to go back. And get yourself the bread and the wine. You know, one of the ways that we prepare for Christmas at our house is we have an Advent wreath. And this year, um, we have these Advent wreaths that are actually a part of uh, bringing freedom um, to those who are uh, in the most vulnerable places in the world. And so they're back at the table, and today's the first Sunday of Advent. It has a candle for each one of the days in this beautiful little star. And then it, I think my favorite thing is is that the cards are there, like different places to pray for, and Haiti is the second day. And um, I love that that Haiti is right up front and so clearly in all of our hearts. Um, But friends, I wonder if we all made this leading up, camp for the kids, they're camping out waiting for Jesus, this Advent experience where we are expecting the arrival of Christ, the ways that we pray, we light candles, we pause, we we allow ourselves not to, um, as my daughter said, Some people say it's the most wonderful time of the year. She likes to say it's the most time of the year. Like it can be the most stressful, the most loud, the most ridiculous, the most not about Christmas ever. Or it can be the most wonder-filled time where we are waiting, we are praying prayers that are hard, we're aching for the coming of Christ in every area, And that we actually make this a time where Christ can be born in us like it's never been before. Wouldn't that be beautiful? I mean, we might want to sing that Stevie Wonder song again at the very, very end, but that this would be that kind of Christmas time.
So would you hold the bread up as Jesus gave the bread to his friends and just said, take this, all of you. This is the living hope, everyone, that Christ's body is broken for you. And that every time you eat this meal, you remember, you remember Christ. Can we say, Jesus, we remember you and all you've done for us. We remember Anna and Simeon waiting for you and then they saw you. May we be those people. After supper was ended, Jesus, you lifted the cup, you gave thanks, and you said, drink this, all of you, take this, drink this. This is the cup of the new covenant. My own blood will be poured out for you and for all people so that sins will be forgiven. And every time you come together, remember me. Let's just tell Jesus in our own ways, Jesus, we remember you. Remember the sins that have been forgiven. And, and with gratitude, as Scott said, remembering with gratitude the ways that God has fixed the broken places, mended the broken places, brought healing to the sick. And Jesus, we remember you. And together. Jesus, we remember you. So there's a wonderful old hymn, and maybe we'll sing it. Maybe I'll sing some of it, but, um, but someone will help me. This wonderful, are you guys um, creating space to say, Come, thou long expected. Jesus. Come, thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins. Release us.
way you need God and the most important way you need God right now, the place in your heart that is longing and aching for God right now, the way you can't fix it, you can't do it, you can't make it happen. By thine all-sufficient We're so grateful that this is what you've done for us, that you have made it possible, that the impossible is possible, and that hope is living and hope is blessed. And every lie that would come against a blessed living hope, right now, God, teach us how to let it go so that what is more alive in us is what is true, that it is you, God. You are the hope. You are the living hope. You are the blessed hope. And so I'm just going to ask you to practice right here, lifting your face toward heaven from where your help comes from. Your help comes from God who made heaven and earth. God will not let your foot be moved. God who keeps you will keep you from stumbling. And that when you do stumble, it is the God who keeps you, who raises you up. And so lift your face to God. And allow yourself even just let your own sanctified, holy imagination. Imagine yourself like Anna and Simeon in the temple waiting to fix your gaze on the coming of Christ in your life. And then maybe bow your head here and turn your gaze inward, reminding yourself that you are carrying with you the living Christ, the living hope, that in these vessels right here is the hope. The scripture says that we live and move and have our being in Christ. So will you allow your own hope to be fixed right here, the temple of the Holy Spirit. One teacher said, as ruined as my house is, God lives here. So just think about the life right here, your very own life. And take a breath. And when hope feels gone, return right here to the Spirit of God that lives and moves and has being in you. And then if you feel comfortable with it, hold your hands out. And if you know the person next to you and they're willing, maybe take their hand. But if not, just hold your hand out. You know that you've got people that you're holding in your own heart. And that this here, we are the body of Christ, and we are the living hope together. And then open your eyes and take a look around the room. Here's hope, everybody. Here's hope. In all of our imperfections, here's hope. 
And so, God, may we camp here all Advent long in the hope that is from above, within, and right next to us. And that, God, that we would bring hope, that you would bring, even as we prayed today, that we'd see where our hope is supposed to reach, even when we've put our foot outside the door. Great is your faithfulness, O God, our Father. There's no shadow of turning with you. We're trusting in you today, God, and we're bringing the hope that comes from you and you alone in all the ways we can. And Jeff, will you lead us out with just a little a cappella, Great is Thy Faithfulness? Great is thy faithfulness, Lord God, our Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not as thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new I see all I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, great. Have a beautiful week. Yes, yes, and we love you. Get your Advent gifts, the ones that help our friends, and the one that's free to you. And we love you all.